Sides of this here tonight, ladies and gentlemen. I got to play both clips for the people that are happy, for the people that are sad. Welcome in to Careless Whispers on CLNS Media. It's our first show in almost a month. My name is Matt Rury. My friend here with me, as always, Calvin Chamberlain. Calvin, how's it going tonight? Any any news? Is there anything going on? Uh, yeah, man. I just uh, I just got a new shirt. Nice shirt. All right. Yeah, New that's what you're looking what for. What color? What color shirt is it? Uh, it's kind of blue with like some red stuff on it. You know. Uh huh. Yeah. Oh yeah, it's and Kyrie Irving got traded to the Boston Celtics. Oh. Wow. Basketball. Right. I feel like I should, I should just. I'm I'm in this case to be happy. I think. I'm gonna play, play the mark now. Some people may may disagree with that. They may, they may, they may not like the trade. They may not like the trade. Kyrie Irving got traded. Where did he go? I mean, this is definitely a fence situation, right? This is like, yeah. I can I kind of see both sides. I'm gonna I'm gonna try to work it out in the air which side of this trade I. I come down on, you know, I'm, I'm sort of of two minds here. I can, I can sort of see both arguments for why you would think it is a good trade or a bad trade. But right off, but before we get into that aspect of it, right off the top, I, I would like to give Danny Ainge credit for, for making the move, for, because I, because I've long been the guy who's, you know, criticized him for sitting on assets. Uh, it's, it's hilarious to go back to. Uh, post-game shares I did now in the Eastern Conference Finals when the Celtics were going to uh, draft Markel Fultz with the number one pick. And I said, uh-huh. they're either going to have to trade Fultz or trade Isaiah Thomas. Now here we are, we're just a few short months later, and Dan <laughs> did both. He basically he did, did both. both, yes. He traded the number one pick, and he traded Isaiah Thomas, because if you haven't figured it out by now, Isaiah Thomas is on his way to Cleveland, along with Jake Crowder, Ante Zizic, Brooklyn Nets pick heading that way to play with LeBron James or Kyrie Irving. And everybody in Boston is going crazy because Kyrie Irving thinks the world is flat. So he obviously can't contribute to a basketball team, right? Listen, I'm just going to get this out of the way real quick. I I don't care what the guy thinks about 
He goes out there and to steal the line, Bill Belichick does his job and brings the, the makes the Celtics better than what they potentially were going to be. Then it doesn't matter. So anybody that's going to use an argument or even try and like I don't know make jokes out of it. so let's get that out of the way. Bottom line is Calvin, they got the best player in the deal. He's better than Isaiah right now, arguably, and I, I I will say that over the course of a season, Isaiah is probably a better scorer. But I think Irving does a lot more with the basketball as far as setting up his teammates is concerned, uh, and he's 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 just a tricky handler. He's going to fit in with the Celtics, and I think his ceiling is a lot higher as well. If you want to nitpick the rest of that trade, guess what, everybody. The Brooklyn Nets are not going to be as horrible as everyone hoped they would be. No, Calvin, are the team to watch now, and not just because the Celtics grabbed that, that pick from them mm-hmm. next year. I truly believe that the Lakers are going to be in the bottom five, and that the Nets, Nets are on the rise. Answer that, because to me, the Celtics won this trade. And it's and it, there are multiple reasons for that, and we can we're going to get into it all. But counter that for me, because I don't I don't okay. think the Nets pick is really that. Really, I, I love that you're coming out and you're you're cutting in and out on me on me a little bit, but I I, I got the gist of what you said. Uh, I love that you're taking a strong stance here. Let me just say that because I didn't know I didn't know what you were going to be until until we got on. You played the celebration music. I sort of feel like. Uh, and you can correct me if I'm wrong. I don't know if you've had time to, to hear a Boston reaction. But my guess would be that Celtics fans uh, dislike this trade more than they like it for the simple reason that, like, Kyrie Irving has sort of been on the enemy's team uh, for the largest period of time, right? And so they probably they probably think Isaiah is a better player outright uh, than Kyrie Irving. But even, I don't think that so, he is. So hold on. I don't, I, don't think, I don't think that think that he's a better player outright. I think that they've fallen in okay. love with him. They uh, are very much going to be saddened by the fact that he's gone. It's it's much the way that I reacted to Avery Bradley being traded, right? I fell in love with him as a player, and I thought that he was excellent. But when you step back and you look overall at the plan, it's not so bad. Yeah, and, but even let, – let, let's just say hypothetically, all right? We, we can actually get in – actually, let, if we actually get into it and we say, uh, you know, is Isaiah Thomas a better player – than Kyrie Irving. Well, you can say he had a better year last year, and I and I would agree with that. You, I, as a pure scorer, I would probably take Kyrie. Kyrie's certainly, certainly, although not a good defender, capable of better defense probably than Isaiah is, right? Um, as a distributor, neither one is all that great, but I would lean slightly towards Isaiah in that respect. I don't know where you're at. Isaiah's, uh, Kyrie's a slight, slightly better rebounder. Obviously, a better dribbler, but maybe also, you know, has a higher usage rate. Overall, I, th- I think it's it's fair to say, just in a pure vacuum, that they're pretty close. But also, that that, that doesn't take into the fact that Ky- Kyrie is what four years younger. Okay, he's under contract for an additional year. Don't forget, the Celtics had been given Isaiah this, you know, the supermax deal uh, in next off season. They're now they're a team that's looking at uh, luxury tax implications. And if, even if they pay Kyrie two years from now, there's that year where they're not paying the luxury tax. They, don't, they have to worry less about the repeater tax. Um, let's see, again, he's younger, he's yeah. taller, he's, he's 6'2". So, so, yeah, so, so, you know, we said it, we said long, guys, Isaiah's size. This is a long deal, for sure. The tax yeah. is really into it, absolutely. Yeah. 
Tyree is sort of, uh, yeah, he, he is a bigger player than Isaiah. So in that respect, he's he's more likely to carry those skills onto a to a later age. But and he's younger anyway. So in, whether or not you think Isaiah is a better player, there's no question that in terms of, of trade value or you know NBA value that that. Kyrie has significantly more than Isaiah Thomas, and I, and I, like I said, Isaiah Thomas's year last year was better than any year that he'd had, even though he he was pretty good in the previous year too. But so in that respect, yes. But then when, when you start looking at everything else, that's when you go, I'm not sure whether or not this is a good trade. You're you're coming down on the on the side of the Nets being better, and I might be able to go along with that. I don't think the Nets will be the worst team in the NBA. That doesn't mean they won't get the number one pick with the way things shake out. But I do think that they are they're a bottom five team in the NBA. When you just, if, I mean, I don't like Alan Crabb, who they traded for, right? Oh, I see. Uh, I'm, I'm the opposite. I like Crabb. I do like Crabb. Oh, you do, you do like Crabb? Oh, I think that he's gonna be. He's gonna have a, a better chance to show what he's got, and I think that he was. A or in Portland, but the Nets are going to rely on him more. So I, I think that he it has a chance to step forward and, and play pretty well for them. I like him as a player, um, but I'm not convinced that he's – I mean, he doesn't put them over the top. But if you're talking about bottom five teams, I, I feel like they are out – they're basically almost out of the woods on that one, Calvin. Mm, no, I, I think that they're – like. You know my Atlanta Hawks are going to be the worst team in the NBA theory. Yes. I have Atlanta, yep. I have Atlanta I agree. at one. Yeah. I I think that, that after that, the Nets are sort of in that next group with teams like Phoenix, uh, with teams like uh, Chicago. Mm-hmm. I think Chicago could be worse, you know. The Lakers. And then the Lakers are better than those teams. And then maybe the Atlanta. Knicks? I don't the know. I'm not convinced about that. Yeah. I'm but, not convinced but, about that. They're not going to be a bottom five team. I'm already. I'm. I. I guarantee you that. But unless unless there's like crazy injuries, they're not going to be a bottom five. Team. Indiana. What is that, Indiana doing right now? I forgot about Indiana. Indiana's a contender. I don't think. I don't. But I don't. I don't think that matters in terms of like whether or not this trade was a success because the Lakers, the, the Celtics had already made that trade, you know, for the Lakers Sacramento pick. So where that pick oh. falls. Sort of, it, it doesn't really reflect, okay. in my opinion, on like on whether or not this was a good trade. Okay. You know Fine. I mean? So the Nets, the Nets, something that I've seen. The first reaction is that this is too much. With too much, everything else is fine. The Nets pick is too much. That's the action I saw immediately on Twitter about thirty to forty minutes ago. Uh, I started as far as trying to get you or someone to to tell me why this is a bad. I'm not. I'm not worried about Zizic. Okay, he looks. He looks slow. I think. Good. See you later. Good luck in the league. You'll, you'll make way more money than I will ever see in my life. So congratulations on that. But you're not fit for for this this roster. And Crowder, we give Crowder all we want. He is a glue guy. A very important piece to the reason that the Celtics were winning. He's going to help Cleveland immensely. I guarantee that. He works very hard. He is a tough, great player, a guy that you would want to have on your team. But guess what? You can find someone to replace him. And ultimately, he's not a shooter. He's made... You have to give him credit. I'm not going to slander a big Crowder on the way out of town because he is a confident professional. He gets the job done night in and night out. So 
I, I well, can't complain about that one, but you can't convince me that that pushes trade over the top as far as uh, who won the trade. It's con- I still think the Celtics won this trade. Okay, so the loss of Crowder, as far as I'm concerned, the main concern as far as going going into next season is uh, it, it, it's actually like not a it, it's just contract. It's just team friendly contract. You're giving away an asset that could be that could be thrown <laughs> into another trade deal. If you wanted to make. You know what I mean? You, all you really, I, I don't think you're giving up too much with Crowder on the floor, and the reason why I don't think that is because, one, one when you play with a, a traditional center, Horford can, is going to play minutes at the floor. Not a lot, but let's say Horford plays, you know, 10 minutes on, on the floor a game. Well, then you have an, you can have another 10 minutes uh, where Hayward plays small ball four, which is something I, w- I would imagine they see next year. And the rest mm-hmm. of the time, uh, the rest of the time you have the Morris brother, whichever one you got. Uh, or Baines, they like. They, I think they like Baines quite a bit. What happens with him? Yeah, but it, it, as far as this goes, I I was never particularly a bully. I always thought this was a bit of a miss. Um, didn't really <laughs> like him in in summer league too much. So I don't. I wouldn't shed a tear at that necessarily. No. I mean, maybe 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 he turns out to be good, and maybe not. But right so, now. So right now, wait a minute. For, so it, it, this almost feels contrived to be, and it's this show. If anybody that listens to this show on a regular basis know that we basically never have anything. It are always off the cuff. Most of the time, neither one of us even knows what the other one is going to say until uh, thirty seconds before the show at most. So to me, Calvin, though, this is the point that I want to throw out there for months and months since they traded Rajon Rondo for Jay Crowder, that Jay Crowder's contract is the most important part of him as a player and that the contract is very valuable and all of this. And pretty much every time you've said to me, ah, the value of his contract doesn't matter. It, it, it matters more about what he's putting on the court. It's, it's such a small contract. It's not a big deal, et cetera, et cetera. And now it's we've turned the balls on each other and you are saying that the, the thing that makes this deal better for Cleveland is the fact that Jay Crowder's contract is team friendly, which I could care less about at this point because I think they have the best player in the Well, I, I think that NBA uh, salary situations are fluid. You know what I mean? A, a couple of years ago, yeah, it, it was good that he was under team control, but when the salary cap was jumping 20% a year, uh, I, did, I did sort of tend to think that his on, on-court value was higher. But now that now these slots are getting filled up, and and he's making significantly less, I'm not saying that like I'm not saying that his contract is the difference in this being a good or a bad trade. Really, if, if I'm if I'm saying anything, I would be saying that the Nets pick is the difference between a, a good and a bad trade. I'm just saying if 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 I am the Cavaliers, I want uh, Jay Crowder for his contract. The fact that he can be assuming again, we haven't even gotten into this from the Cavaliers side, and I think we can do that in a minute, but. Yeah, I, I think for the Celtics, just because they have these other assets, they have you know other trades they could make. Give, giving up that Crowder piece does not that like not that the contract is is a big deal for them going forward. It's just that like now Danny Age can't use Crowder in another trade. You know what I mean? Like if it was just Isaiah yeah. uh, Zizic and the pick. You can't well, say Crowder's contract has no value in that respect because it's like. But yeah, but I would they, argue they that that. I would I would just argue back that Kyrie Irving is is the the last move that he needs to make at the across the rest of his roster and that you're not going to make another so you 
be keeping Carter, in which case I would say if you pulled it off, and that obviously is I would love, I would love to keep Jim Carter. If, and you, you, he, he's a non-factor in the deal. I'm saying he doesn't push it over the top for me as far as who won the deal. You also have to look at this deal, and this is just – it's so weird to me that the Eastern, the two Eastern Conference Finals teams made a trade. You know what I mean? Like, you have to look at this deal as, as well uh, in terms of, like, how that's going to impact next season. And, like, regardless of, of how effective he actually was in the end, like, Jay Crowder was one of the primary defenders on the prime, right? So you, if you're Cleveland, you can bat away from you. Uh, that, that that's not nothing. We took that away from you and we added it to our team. And maybe he's guarding Gordon Haywood now. And and that's like a. It's not just what did we give up and what did we get. It's like what did we give to the Cavaliers and what did we get back from the Cavaliers, right? So yes. even on that note, it's like you you also even have to look at it the, the entire thing that way, right? It's like it's not just is Kyrie better uh, is Kyrie better than Isaiah, but there's another question of can I say a play with LeBron more effectively than Kyrie did or less effectively? Well, you know, I'm not that's... saying, okay, so uh, there, I see where you're going with this because it's possible that, that both teams uh, have sort of gained something here. I, I think, I think that you're, you're sort of implying now that LeBron and Cleveland is not going to be any worse off with Isaiah Thomas as opposed to Kyrie Irving. And to that, I would say I, I agree with you. I still think Cleveland is, is formidable and that they are going to be right there when it comes to the Eastern Conference Finals. And it's going to be a very interesting situation for the Eastern Conference this year because this this really puts a in the budding rivalry that is the Celtics against LeBron. I would say not Cleveland, but LeBron. And uh, now Isaiah Thomas has something to prove. This matchup is going to be hit right from, this, right from the beginning of the season. The first, very first game, these two teams are going to go with it, and uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I think it's going, to, it's going to be a really fun thing to watch. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but isn't Isaiah not projected to be ready for the start of the season? That's well, so that's, that's what I was just about to say. I'm sort of all around Twitter over here, and I see uh, that apparently Dane is telling people a Rod Blakely is the one that tweeted this out. Um, Thomas's injury played some role in the trade, some in quotes, and he added that Thomas may be delayed the season. I was speculating on that myself to myself the other day and wondering if he was actually going to be healthy. Cleveland took the chance. Uh, I'm, I'm sure that Ainge is putting out there now is just going to and that's the way that Danny Ainge works the media. So basically, after Ainge makes a move, I wouldn't believe a word he says. Before he makes the move, I kind <laughs> of believe him more, but he was silent about this. Do you, I don't do you agree on that? But, yeah, I don't necessarily believe him before he makes the move either. Well, it's, you don't have you, to believe him before like, he makes the move, but I'm just saying that after the move, it's all about polishing. And before the move, he oh, may yeah. have a little bit more truth to it. Um, anyway, what, what do you I'm say we find what people what say on the uh, the call here say about all this? Oh, yeah, because, go, ahead. Go, go ahead. Yeah, it's been him wait far longer than I did to two three six four two one four eight four in number. If you want to give us a call and talk about any of this, we get to some NFL stuff later too. 
But uh, for now, this is going to go as long as it has to because this is a big and people are uh, going to voice their opinion. Sam in San Diego, welcome, sir. How you feeling? Are you okay? Are you upset about this? You fall on me. So I'm upset about it. I'm going to pull over so you guys can hear me better. Um, <laughs> okay, great. Um, he's he's yeah, so upset I, he's I, driving I, to the coast, Calvin. You better go make sure that he that he's not like diving in the ocean or something. Sam, what's going on? Why are you upset? I'm I'm so upset. I feel like I'm in LA right now. Um, <laughs> so, um, you know, I hate this deal even without the pick. So when the, when they threw the pick in at the end there, when I heard and the pick, I felt like choking. Um, I, I don't like Kyrie Irving at all. I don't like his game. I don't like the what he stands for. To me, he's a modern player. He's he's a selfish player. He wants to win as the best player on the team, which I don't think he has the talent to be the best player on the te- on, on the championship team. He doesn't play defense because he doesn't try to play defense. He's a player that I I just don't think he has the heart. I don't think he has the hunger to win a title that Isaiah has. I don't think he represents what the Celtics are about. I just I don't like him at all. I, I don't want him on our team. I hate that we have to have to root for him. I hate that we have to root against Isaiah. I hate that I'm going to have to probably root. Actually, I'm going to end up rooting for Isaiah playing for Cleveland. I mean, hmm. not over the Celtics, but against other teams. I, I just I don't like this at all. I just I just think it's a bad deal. I, I don't. Well, it's not it's not like Jenny to make deals like this where it feels like we overpaid. Hold on, Calvin. Sam, Sam brings up, well, I well, just, Sam brings up I, an interesting point. Oh, sorry. He does. Sorry, Listen, my sorry. first reaction, my very initial reaction was, was, oh man, this is, I have to, I have to like Kyrie Irving. I, I have to find a way to, to cheer for him on, on my team. And listen, I'm not, I'm not the biggest Kyrie Irving fan, even though I've pumped his tires for the last 20 minutes and said that the Celtics have won this deal. I still believe that he's the better player, slightly right now and i i still believe he has the higher ceiling he has the longer career life span potentially uh and that that's just the way that that i look at him as a player so overall long run i think that uh he is is the the guy to go with if you're talking about this coming season then cleveland is going to be right up there they may even get that number one seed because isaiah is going to be out of his mind once he gets healthy I, I'm not trying to take anything away from Isaiah Thomas in the here and now. He's, he, we've we've come to we're, we're, we've grown to love him around here. He's gritty. He really put it all on the line, and he's a great scorer. But I've never been that high on him either, Sam. So ultimately, when it came down to it, I don't really love Kyrie Irving. I don't really love Isaiah Thomas. But I'm looking at it from from a long-term perspective, or I'm trying to anyway. And I think that the Celtics have, have done pretty well for themselves. And I'm not calling for a championship this year, but I do expect them to be in the Eastern Conference Finals. And at that point, who knows what, what will happen. I would probably pick Cleveland to win that series, just the way things are set up right now, to be honest with you. But going forward after that, I think the Celtics have set themselves up themselves up for a pretty good run. Well, I think the leader, the point about leadership is the point we, we didn't discuss that when we broke down the trade in terms of, uh, I don't completely agree with the narrative that like, and it sort of was being spun out there that ah, Kyrie just wants to be the man on his own team and he, he doesn't care. 
I, I really do think a lot of it has to do with the fact that he and LeBron just don't like each other. And some of that may have to do with the roles in offense, but I think if you look at the way that LeBron talks down to him and sort of treats him on the bench, yells at him, Kyrie probably got tired of it. And I, I don't necessarily think it's, it's 100%. Like, and I sort of got annoyed that you know, Kobe got thrown into it, too, that, because he loves Kobe, that he just like wants to be the man only on his own team. I think that there's player relationships connected to that that might not necessarily apply on the self. You know, and for for all the people criticizing Kyrie now for demanding a trade, well, like he didn't, you know, he he's been sucking that in for a couple of years. It's not like he instantly went out and and made that trade. And supposedly he wanted to leave last year, but but he wrote about for the good of the team. And at this point, you just can't take it. Like I can't completely fault him for that. But that being said, he's clearly not like the on floor leader that Isaiah Thomas is. And you look what he did with last year's Celtics team, and I can understand why you feel like you're. You're losing something in terms of intangibles, you know, taking away a guy like Isaiah who put his heart and soul out there for a guy like Kyrie, who you can at least make the argument that he doesn't care as, as much as Isaiah. But well, I, I'm sorry, go ahead. I mean, I, you know, we've lost Bradley, Isaiah, and Crowder. That's the identity of this team is that toughness and the chip on the shoulder thing. And, and, and I just, I don't, I'm not that confident going into next season. We've only got four players left from last season's team. I mean, and only one from the starting lineup. I mean, what, we don't even know what this team is um, aside from talent. And, 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 and Ainge is, is a cold blooded talent guy. He looks for talent and, and, and that's what he cares about. And usually that is the case. I mean, we've seen him lose deals like that Kendrick Perkins deal for, for, uh, for Jeff Green, was a talent deal, but that that deal was lost on heart and leadership, right? That's exactly how we lost that deal. Yeah. Okay. So, so that's that's definitely part of it, and I'm still upset about the Avery Bradley deal. But I think you're kind of discounting Marcus Morris a little bit. I don't want to give him as much credit than as I would give Avery Bradley uh, as far as toughness is concerned. But I think Morris is probably less injury prone than Bradley is if I'm looking for a negative on Avery Bradley, um, which I would, I was, that's, that feels just feels weird. It feels dirty for me to even try and look for a negative on that guy because he doesn't deserve any criticism in my opinion, but I think Morris is going to be a a nice tough addition. I think Aaron Baines is going to give the Celtics a little bit of toughness as well. Uh, And I just, I feel like they are going to rely, Sam, on Marcus Smart quite a bit. I think they're going to let him run wild on defense. I think they're going to release the bulldog, if you will. And they're looking at Marcus Smart to take a huge step forward in his development this year. And if he does, then Ainge is going to look like a genius. If he doesn't, the Celtics may struggle because they're going to be much more of a finesse team if Marcus Smart cannot take over that wing defender role that both Crowder and Avery Bradley gave the Celtics last year. Let me ask uh, Sam a question. Uh, Sam, what, I, what I'm wondering is, is about that Nets pick. Uh, Rory doesn't think that the Nets will be a bottom five team. I think, I think that they're bottom seven at, you know, best case scenario for the Celtics. The, 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 it's the number seven, number eight pick. Um, I think that, that even, that's like an optimistic outlook. I think pessimistically, it's bottom five for sure. Um, do you, do you what, where's your problem level with that pick being included in the deal? And would it have been better or worse if it was if it was Tatum or Brown, either one of them? I'm wondering, do you do you automatically like both those guys more than you do the future pick, or yeah, where are you at on that? 
Um, well, I mean, I still wanted Fultz over Tatum, but um, aside from that, um, I, I think the I, I don't necessarily buy that the Nets are are. Uh, I don't know. I don't think they're necessarily better. I think Brooke Lopez won a lot of those games for them last year. Um, and, and, uh, I agree. And so I, I, I don't, I don't, I don't know. It's just to me, it's just like you said. I, I'm not a big Crowder guy in, in terms of I, I thought I thought he got a little too, too three point happy and, and he didn't get to the basket as much. But you're you're right. He was an asset because of that contract. I, I just I just thought that even if you did Isaiah Crowder and Zizek. Yeah. Even then, it, it, I don't really like the deal because I don't like giving up Isaiah for Kyrie. But throwing in that pick, which we don't know what the Nets are going to be, but if they do happen to be a top three pick um, and we lose one of those top three picks, and you know that could be a potential superstar. And you know, I, I just don't like the idea of, of the possibility of that, um, given that given that we're already overpaying. And, and and again, you know, we, we've seen these players come by, uh, Butler, uh, DeMarcus Cousins, and, and a couple other stars that have been dealt lately, and, and, and none of those players um, got equal value for the teams. And, and here you have a Cleveland ownership group and, and with, with a new front office and, and Dan Gilbert running the team, and, and they were able to get so much out of us. I just, I'm, I'm just surprised because Ainge doesn't want to lose deals, and to lose it to Dan Gilbert is really surprising. So would you rather have given up Brown in that scenario than the pick? Uh, no, no, I like Jalen Brown. I like Tatum as well. I wouldn't, I wouldn't do it because, you, like you said, you, you don't know what that pick is going to be. Brooklyn could turn out to be better right. than you think, but, but still, I just don't like the idea of getting that extra value when it didn't seem like Cleveland had a better deal out there. We, you know, when, when they would show. It was always obvious we had the best match for them, but we had no reason to make the move. So I just think that we had them over a barrel. But Cleveland was in a tough spot. I think this worked out great for them. I'm sure if you go on one of their fan boards, I, I would, I would, I would guess that they're pretty happy over there. Yeah, I'm right. not trying to say I'm not trying to say that Cleveland lost this deal by a, a large margin. I just think that the Celtics made out pretty well, and I think that they are going to be improved. And uh, I mean, Cleveland is probably going to be just as good as they were last year, in my opinion, but that's just for one year. And maybe they go ahead and they they beat the Celtics in five games in the Eastern Conference Finals. Maybe they sweep them. But going forward after that, looking into the future on this team, I think they've set themselves up pretty well. And I think that that, uh, once LeBron decides to go out to Los Angeles – the Celtics are going to be the team to look at in the Eastern Conference. So, this is a rare situation where I'm willing to sacrifice the here and now for the next five to six years. But Matt, number one, I thought we were trying to win now. I think that's what Horford is thinking, and I think that's what Hayward was thinking in, in, in coming here. And number two, um, how do we know that this, is, that this doesn't keep LeBron in Cleveland now? That's that's a good point. Maybe LeBron stays in Cleveland. Maybe he decides that he can actually win with Isaiah Thomas and and uh, stay there and be in the finals a few more years. But my my initial well, reaction is that that's not going to be the case. Uh, Isaiah is undersized and he's not going to score thirty points a game next to LeBron James. It's just not going to happen. He's going to have to be. He's going to have to change his game as well. 
So I, I just I feel like the, the the type of player that Kyrie Irving is is a little bit more suited to LeBron James because he's a better set up type of player. He's he's better at uh, passing out of a double team, etc. Um, so maybe LeBron changes his game a little bit too, and and that's sort of the way they go. Isaiah's still going to have an All Star type of season, a top five to seven MVP type of season. I still believe that, but LeBron is still going to be the focal point in Cleveland. So they are going to be a force to be reckoned with for this one year, and we'll see what LeBron decides to do after that. But for now, I, I have to believe that he's going to walk away and that the Celtics are going to be fine at, when he does that, and they're going, to be the, they're going to be the focal point. And I'm just going to look at this positively. And Calvin, as far as the Nets are concerned, Orlando, Chicago, Atlanta, Sacramento, Phoenix, New York, and the Pacers, that's seven. And only th- three of those teams would I consider to be debatable. So I think What's the Nets what are, you are getting better, man. And the Lakers, throw the Lakers in there too. Yeah, I'll, I'll give you 50 bucks if the Lakers are worse than the Nets this year. Because it's not happening. You're out of your mind, Ray. That's what I'm telling you. <laughs> but that's fine. But uh, uh, that being said, you uh, – Sam sort of alluded to a point that we really didn't get into too much that factors in, too. Forget whether or not this trade was a win for the Celtics, because it's not just that. It's, it, it, it's also the fact that, yeah, Danny Ainge, who is notoriously patient, who I've criticized a million times for being too patient, all of a sudden he's just making this trade in a situation where, like, it seems like leverage is in a place where, like, Cleveland would be somewhat over a barrel because he, just, he demanded the trade. If you look at it in that respect, Maybe you think, okay, you like the Celtics in, in this trade, but you certainly don't like the Celtics this, in this trade as a blowout, right? So is it a scenario in which, no. like, hey, how, how did Danny Age not Danny Age this situation and just pull the trigger on something that, like, maybe he could have clearly won this trade? What would you say well, to that, Chris? I, I think that the, the Isaiah Thomas injury plays into that. Uh, and I also think that he, he must not – want to pay Isaiah Thomas max money. And he's probably nervous that if he refuses to pay max money, that Isaiah will find max money elsewhere and that he will get nothing in return for Isaiah Thomas. So uh, maybe he's thinking that he, he turns Jay Crowder in with, with that gamble and says, all right, now I have a, a point guard for two years. I can kick the can down the road a little bit and see how things shake out. He's still a, a, a top point guard in the league. We're still going to be the one or two seed in the Eastern Conference with this player. And we'll see what happens the next year as our guys develop and as we be, uh, we assess the, the draft classes that come through with these high picks that we have. Because aside from that Lakers pick, whether it's two to five, they're, they're, they're still in decent position, uh, I believe, with – that Memphis pick, that one that they have is is going to be a potential top 10 to 12 play, uh, pick anyway. So maybe somebody wants that in a trade. Obviously not that valuable, but I, I think that he can kick the can down the road a little bit and decide whether he wants to pay Kyrie Irving max money and see how he fits in with this core. So I just, I don't know. I, I feel like it's not an outright win for the Celtics, like you said, but in the long run, they look to be in much better shape than they were yesterday. Hey, guys. So-
Um, I'd like to just close out here and just say that, you know, I, I was hoping this offseason was going to be sign Hayward, draft Fultz. It's obviously turned out really different. I don't like either trade, but, you know, I, I was wrong about the Rondo trade too, so I'm hoping I'll be wrong twice. Um, but I, I, don't, I don't know if you guys were on the uh, – if you guys have had a show since the Hayward um, signing, but I'm still really elated over that signing. Um, you know, it was obviously a, a much better 4th of July than last year. And, and to get a player that's been so rumored about for so long and to get him right as he's entering his prime um, – you know, such a such a multi uh, uh, such a multi-use player. It's just really exciting to get the top free agent in in, in the uh, that was available this year. So just uh, it really, it, I think it really wipes out that whole idea that Boston can't get free agents with the last two years. You know, if you have great ownership and and a front office and and obviously it is a big city. So um, you know, it's just it's just great to 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 have that happen. And it really makes me feel better about the franchise moving forward that we can draw free agents. So. Thanks a lot, guys. Go Celtics. Thanks, Sam. Always good to hear from you, buddy. Love hearing from Sam, even when he's upset about Celtics things. Usually Sam and I are on a pretty similar uh, page as far as the Celtics are concerned, but tonight we definitely disagree on this one. And uh, the early reports here now, Calvin, Kyrie Irving is Uh, thrilled. He's thrilled. Can you believe it? I do believe it. He's just thrilled to be out of that hellhole. Who wouldn't be happy to leave Cleveland, right? Well, maybe LeBron James? No, I'm not sure about that. Uh, A friend of mine, Calvin, believes that Isaiah Thomas is going to be very happy to be in Cleveland and raise his children under the radar and quietly in a town that is not as bustling as Boston. Uh, How do you feel about that? And more importantly, do you think that anybody else will offer him a max deal at the end of uh, next year, when he's eligible to be a free agent. Uh, you're talking about Isaiah? Yes. Uh, I do think that it depends. I think it depends on on his health, right? How he bounces back this year, sure. uh, if he has a similar year. I think he's got to repeat himself, though. There's, there's no question that he can't just uh, sort of coast on what he did last year. All right, so are you thinking that's that's probably not not very likely? Is that where you're going with this? No, I I think that it's it's easily likely. I don't I don't want to say I don't want to say it's likely. I would I would put it at a, a max might be unlikely. A max at that's at this point. Just, okay. just if you look at all the factors, age. I think a, you know a high level contract not unlikely. You know the other thing is that I'm not convinced that uh, I'm not convinced that he will. Uh, play as well with LeBron. You seem to be more convinced of that than I do. When you were talking to Sam, that that it was like that uh, that LeBron is a good partner for him. I'm not. I'm not sort of there as much. No, 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 no. I was. I was saying that he's he's still going to have a, a top level type of season, and maybe five uh, to seven in the MVP race is a little strong. But um, I I I think that he's still going to play well. He's not going to score thirty points a game, but I don't think that he would have done that with the Celtics either because he just wouldn't have been asked to do that. Um, but right, no, that I would team. say that I think Kyrie Irving is a better partner for LeBron because of his passing ability. Oh, okay. Yeah, I I mean, the question is, like, the thing about his passing ability, though, it's like LeBron needs – LeBron doesn't really get passed to, you know? Like, even if he, they were successful together, it was because they, they were alternating possessions. 
it wasn't because you know they were uh, working together so well, so much as it, it in, in terms of uh, directly. Indirectly, you can make that argument. Yeah, clearly it worked out well, but like, but that doesn't mean that it's it's going to work. Uh, but who knows? I think I think he'll be fine with LeBron. I mean, um, the question is just like how healthy he's going to be. When I, I I really am more interested in like long term what this means. I can't figure out if this means they think they have a, a better shot at, at keeping LeBron or not. Because you're trading for a guy who's older. I, again, if I'm if I'm a Cavaliers fan, I don't know that I'm ecstatic about this deal. You're gonna have to pay Isaiah after next year, right? And then maybe you lock Isaiah into the like. You're gonna lock Isaiah into that long-term scenario when LeBron leaves. Like you traded you traded uh, Kyrie for an older player, right? So is LeBron gonna want Kyrie? Is LeBron gonna want like older guy there? Uh, Maybe, but I don't. Th- I don't really believe LeBron State. Is, this is why we we had this conversation before we decided, you know, like what is what does Cleveland do in this uh, trading uh, Kyrie situation? Because it's like, what are they going to do? Are they going to are they going to just try to appease LeBron only, or are they going to try to go forward? I think the draft pick is an obvious like this is what we're trying to do go forward scenario. But if, but getting Isaiah Thomas again, if he if he if he is hurt past the beginning of the season, if he comes back in December, how does that help that? That helps the Cavaliers. He's a new teammate of LeBron. It's not like he's a guy running back. So then, then they're going to take some time to like integrate him properly in the offense with LeBron. Uh, who you know, who knows how how well they play together. So now it's like the odds of the Celtics running back that number one uh, seed next year are so much higher than if they if they traded him for somebody who they would have a training camp with. Not having a guy for a training camp is a big deal. You know, I don't I don't completely get what Cleveland is doing in this. All scenario. right, all right. So hold on a second, though. If you're going to talk okay. about training camp, I'm going to flip the script on you and say that now, this, like Sam said, the Celtics only have four guys from their team last year. And sure, uh, Gordon Hayward is going through everything right now, and he's been on he's been signed for weeks. But I just and Andy's going to go through training camp. But I just I feel like. Usually LeBron's teams don't get going until the first couple of months anyway. So that they're going to probably use that as training camp for Isaiah and he's going to learn on the fly and he's, he's good enough to do so. So I, I just, I don't really buy into the whole training camp aspect because the Celtics are going to have a totally new team. LeBron is just getting one new teammate. Yeah, but they're going to have a, they're going to have a training camp and a preseason and the start of the season. Like if let's say Isaiah has to miss 20 games. So then that's, that's 20 games plus the preseason plus training camp that Celtics will have on, on Isaiah Thomas with, with their new teammates. That's, a, that's a my point. I'm not saying, like, obviously whoever they traded Kyrie for uh, was going to take some time to adjust to LeBron. LeBron's a singular player who, around whom an offense runs. I'm not even sure how – because Isaiah's also a guy who needs the ball in his hands. It, it doesn't really – you know, he's, he's pretty good at catch and shoot. But, like, I don't think he likes playing off ball that much, do you? Like, he didn't really seem to – he likes having the ball on his hand. No, I yeah. I mean, that. for the most he, – he did it when he had to. They asked him to do it a yeah. few times, but and it was yeah, fine. But he doesn't love but it. He didn't, I, I would say that's not his strong suit. Yeah, because he's a smaller guy. I mean, in a catch-and-shoot situation, obviously, it, it, like, Isaiah gets open via his dribble. You know what I mean? Like, that's how Isaiah gets open. It's hard, it's hard for Isaiah to make a shot with the defender in front of his face consistently. Unless that, that defender is sagging off because they're, they're afraid Isaiah is going to dribble the basketball. But that's, 
if, if he's not dribbling the basketball as much in the offense and becomes more of a catch and shoot player because LeBron has the ball in his hand so much, how is that how is that going to affect his numbers? I'm just I'm not convinced basketball wise that Isaiah that trading for Isaiah is the smartest move. And I'm also not I'm not convinced that Cleveland thinks that either. You know, I part of me wonders if if this is a you know what, we're trading for Isaiah. We'll we'll see what we can do, but we don't expect to win anyway. And then if LeBron's gone, we got the number one pick. Or if he wants to come back, oh, not the number one pick, but we have a a, a top five pick, or, or okay. in their mind, a top five. In your mind, in their mind, top, top five, pick. sure, yes. In their yeah. mind, potentially number one. They they've won the lottery yeah. recently. They won the lottery with Kyrie Irving, for that matter. Uh, they uh, they they have a taste for that. I, I can believe that they may overvalue that Nets pick. Fine. Yeah. So in, in, in if they, if LeBron wants to come back by some miracle, right? They they have that asset to move in a, in a different trade, try to get back veterans. I just I don't see it. It would be kind of surprising to me if they did sign Isaiah to that long term contract after next season. And if I'm a Cleveland fan again, I don't I don't understand why they were in such a hurry to move Kyrie. Uh, on December 15th, all the players who signed would be would have become available. They didn't have to not, – not saying they needed to wait till near the trade deadline, although even that doesn't matter because Kyrie's under contract for another season after next year. I get it. The, the whole thing strikes me of like, uh, you know, we got, we got to do whatever we can to appease LeBron. If he's even slightly annoyed, then we're screwed. But I feel like he's, he's already slightly annoyed. You might, mm-hmm. you might as well have played it out in, until you had, you know, a better – until you're less over a barrel. Uh, well, let, him, let him settle back in, play okay – and sort of, like, let it quiet down? Because what is Kyrie going to do, not play well? Of course he is. You know what I mean? Let it quiet well, down I mean, a little. If, and, and if, you, if you believe Chris Sheridan, longtime NBA insider, formerly from ESPN, LeBron James is gone after this season. 100% Sheridan says. 100% LeBron James is gone from his sources, etc. He's a guy that I used to trust with, all of my fantasy basketball decisions, I would, I would go to his website and see what he thought about pretty much every player that I was considering adding, dropping, trading for. And now he's sort of off on his own. I haven't really heard much from him, but all of a sudden he says, 100% LeBron James is leaving next season, Calvin. So if you're Cleveland, don't you have an idea already that he's going to walk away? Why would you be trying to appease him? Is it just for this season? Do you really believe that, that maybe he'll stay if you, if you put a guy around him that he likes? To me, this is, this is almost Cleveland's desperate, ple- desperate chance to try and get a new superstar. I, I think that they're overvaluing Isaiah Thomas a little bit, potentially, because they are worried that LeBron actually is going to walk away, and they need to pay somebody the max money. And what, what other players out there are max players and also available right now. So from that perspective, it sort of looks like Cleveland uh, is trying to find their new, their new star. And if they're going to base their team around Isaiah Thomas, then maybe that's, maybe that's good enough to be a a mid-level Eastern conference playoff team. But I don't think he's going to carry them to the Eastern conference finals. Like he, he did with the Celtics. I just, you hit, I, maybe you I'm wrong. Maybe maybe I'm maybe I'm undervaluing Isaiah Thomas. But to me, they they seem to be moving on from LeBron, not trying to appease him. 
Okay, but, but uh, let's say they are, though. Uh, then then they could have moved on more. You know, I mean, this is the classic. The thing I criticize Ainge for, if that's, if that's the case, and this, they're trying to have their cake and eat it, too. Then they should, if they think LeBron is gone, which I, I do, but I'm, I'm not convinced that they think that, which, like we were talking about earlier, and maybe that's like, well, they probably think that it's up in the air. Okay, so that so that's why they. But if, but if you don't, you don't think it's up in the air, right? And you also, but you, you also don't think you have a chance to win the title again, which because that could be another thing too, right? Of like, okay, LeBron is gone. Let's just sell out to try to win one more title this year. Maybe you don't think that's possible. I I'm of the believer that if you're like anywhere close, you you still try, right? But but maybe they don't. Maybe they don't, they don't think they can win the title this year. Then, then why wouldn't you tr- go all young in your trading Kyrie situation? And when you talk about you know guys who are available right now, the the key phrase there is right now. Right now, it's like, look when Kyrie asked for a trade, it was like after all these guys who were available were no were already signed. All these guys who were disgruntled or becoming free agents, they all already signed or or, or had been traded because they were disgruntled. So everyone's on a new team. Everyone's on a new new contract scenarios. Uh, all those guys can't be traded to December fifteenth. Everyone else is like a, a guy who's the, the team's already happy with. They're already happy with the situation. So it's, it's like your options are severely limited. But you you still could, if you really wanted to trade Kyrie in, in, in that scenario, or you wanted to rebuild. Like Denver was offering all kinds of crap for Kevin Love. They just didn't want to make that deal because they didn't want to get better. You know what I mean? Why not just take that Jamal Murray and whoever for Kevin Love? You know what I mean? Why not Jamal Murray and Fareed, I think it was. Or, or or whatever, why not just go all young if that's what you're going to do? If you're saying LeBron's leaving, and screw it, we only care about the future, and Kyrie, yeah, you, you're the one saying this Nets pick isn't all that great. If the only thing that matters in this deal is the Nets pick, then I just, I feel like they could have done a little better in, in terms of getting you. Why not, why not trade uh, Kyrie to, you know, Milwaukee uh, for, you know, Chris Middleton and Brogdon? Why not do that? Well, I, I don't know. I, I feel like they must have had some sort of discussion weeks ago because the Celtics have been over the roster limit for a little while now. They signed Shane Larkin. He was a guaranteed contract. He was their 16th. That's one extra. We've been wondering who's going to get cut since he was signed. And it wasn't a cut. It was a trade, a two-for-one, a three-for-one trade, really. So now they're going to give younger guys a little bit of a chance here to make the team. So the point here, Calvin, is that I feel like Cleveland probably stopped taking offers from other people or other teams, or they heard an offer, or they would take calls, but they would say, listen, as long as everything works, they wouldn't necessarily tell the other teams this, but they would say internally, listen, as long as everything works out, we're doing this Isaiah Thomas trade. It's going to happen. So let's not worry about anything else. So maybe that's that's bad on them. But it's it seems like they, like I said a minute ago, are maybe overvaluing Isaiah Thomas. They're looking at him as the next guy, and they they just were set on getting him. I I don't I don't know. Maybe they don't want to kick the can down the road. I keep using that phrase tonight, but as far as three to four years, because if you trade for Middleton and Brogdon, you're still a little bit ways away from winning more championships if LeBron walks away. With Isaiah Thomas, you could argue that just a couple other guys keep Kevin Love around. They could still be in the Eastern Conference Finals against the Celtics as a favorite going forward. Yeah, I, I guess, but again, if you were 
If you're committed to the idea that LeBron's gone, what does that matter, right? If, if LeBron's gone, okay, and and you don't think you can be – can that team beat the Warriors? Does, does that, any, and, again, I hate being this, like, because if you have a chance, you have to do it. You know what I mean? But, but like, I do question – I, I I would right now just just straight up would pick the Cavaliers. I'm, I'm sorry, the Celtics to come out of the East uh, next year, no matter who's on the bronze team, because I I I definitely have to question like how committed LeBron is even going to be to the Cavaliers when it comes down to the playoffs. He, he already seems like uh, that he's upset with them, right? Like how coherent is that team? Like cohesive is that team going to be? Obviously, they'll be coherent. Hey, how cohesive is that team going to be? And the Celtics got better as well. Like. I'm not convinced they'll get past the Celtics. So I uh, yeah, I'm not convinced Isaiah will be able to play well with LeBron. I don't think I don't think it's like the best move you can do to like surround LeBron with the best possible veterans. Move moving Kyrie for uh for Isaiah. I just think I regardless Cleveland made the move earlier than they should have. And I, I I sort of get it somewhat if you're trying you're trying to appease LeBron and like not make him mad look we're we're moving forward with our team and we got this guy. But if that's not the case, if you're if you're not still thinking LeBron's going to be on your team after next year, then I think it was a it, it was a hasty decision on their part. All right, fair enough. All right, Calvin, we've we've talked about this trade for fifty minutes. We started talking about your shirt, and we've done yep. fifty minutes of Isaiah Thomas for Kyrie Irving. What do you say we move on to the next topic? Because this has been a uh, marathon of one NBA trade. Yeah, no, but yeah, but it's been great, man. I miss the NBA. Hope the NBA comes back soon. Yeah, <laughs> it it will I'm, be here before you know it. I'm ready for the NBA. I'm ready for football. Let's do it. Let's do it, kid. I know you're a football hater now, but come on, football's up. Yeah, uh, not as not as high on on football. Uh, so we'll have a nice little few minutes in a, in a little bit here. In in about ten minutes, I guess we'll have yeah. uh, a little bit of football talk. But first. We talked 50 minutes about my team. We're going to talk maybe 50 seconds about Calvin's team. No, more than that. Maybe a little more than that. Um, Calvin, Calvin, your team has been accused of doing some things it's not supposed to do. Magic Johnson, he's, he's calling people. He's making, making texts. He's saying, hey, Paul George, come to, come to L.A. We'll, we'll do all this stuff for you. I don't even know what the details of the tampering charges are, but – you stand accused, my friend. How do you plead? Yeah, right. This is my biggest problem with with this tampering situation. So the Indiana Pacers have filed a tampering charge uh, against the Los Angeles Lakers, and not against Magic specifically, just against the Lakers organization, for, uh, for talking to Paul George before he was going to be a free agent. Now, here's the thing. The, pa- the Pacers aren't alleging anything specific. They don't actually have any evidence. They're just trying to say, yeah, but because Paul George wanted to come on the Lakers, and Magic Johnson went on the Jimmy Kimmel show and talked about. I don't know if you've seen this clip, but he he talked about uh, he talked about going to tampering school and like and learning like what it is not to tamper. And so Jimmy Kimmel asked him like, so if you if you run into Paul George while on vacation, you can't talk to him. And Magic was like, yeah, I'll just give him a wave and say hi, and then give him a wink. And then he's like, but well, we know what that wink means, right? He's just making a joke. You know what I mean? But, like, 
that's literally the only that's that's literally the only evidence that the Pacers have, other than Paul George like being determined to go to the Lakers, a place a place where he grew up. Although I do not count Palmdale. What, Paul what does that What so, does that wink mean? I'll meet you on Fifth and Seventh Avenue. I don't even know what the streets' names are over there. Uh, Boulevard, some sort of yes. What's what's the damn name of that? <laughs> Man, nor do I care. I, okay. I'm just trying yeah. to name L.A. streets, and I'm just bumbling, bumbling around, and I don't even care what the names of the L.A. streets are. Because yeah. Well, sure, so things like that. Anyway. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, anyway. So, the point, I mean, we do have streets with numbers, too, but uh, as does every other place. Uh, the, point, yeah, the, the point I'm making is, is, like, the Pacers are just being petty. The Pacers are being stupid, and they're being stupid right now because yeah. Paul George is they, they obviously they didn't make this trade. They didn't file this complaint uh, before they traded Paul George. You know why? Because they were considering trading Paul George to the Lakers, and in the Lakers were a team that was involved uh, in trade talks. And why would you like cut them out of the trade talks? So they make their trade. The trade the trade is done. They have their new players. Uh, they're getting backlash for that, and now they're filing camping charges against the Lakers. Like, what do they hope to get at it? So the, the potential penalty for a, a tampering charge is potentially fines, uh, loss of draft picks even, and wor- the worst-case scenario, like the, the league would uh, ban Paul George from being able to sign with the Lakers as a free agent. Well, now, so you know what this is? This is short, short of rescinding the trade or taking back the trade, this is Indiana saying we regret trading Paul George. That's what this is. That's them saying, uh, we wouldn't have traded him if, if it wasn't for the Lakers to check, trying to call him and say, come and, come and play for us instead. They're upset that they, they, had, they made a bad trade because they were pressed into doing it because they felt pressure from another team that, his, that their star player very likely wanted to go to and may still go to, for that matter. So they're just... They're, Again, this is this is the same thing as Danny Ainge coming out after every deal that he makes and uh, just making it seem better for him. But the Pacers are doing it in a very petty way. Like Danny Ainge sort of comes out and says, oh, well, this is the reason we did it, and look at all these little things that I didn't tell you before, and I'm going to polish this thing up and make it look real nice. Uh, but the Pacers are sort of doing it in a way that they they kind of seem a little weaselly, like – Eh. Yeah, we we lost out, but it it was their fault. It was their fault over there. Look at those look at those jerks over there in, in Los Angeles. They're the ones. Go after them. Yeah. NBA. By, by the way, the thing the thing that makes this entire thing the worst, okay, for me, is the Lakers probably were tampering. Do you know why? Because everyone in the NBA tampers. It's a it's a known secret. The tampering in the NBA is a joke, and that everybody tampers consistently. Uh, yeah, look at the, the Chris Paul scenario. Chris Paul got traded to Houston before he was a free agent. Okay, they, they traded a bunch of stuff to Houston. Uh, the Chris Paul got traded before he was a free agent. How did Houston know that Chris Paul wanted to go there? If they wanted, they're not allowed to have that conversation uh, until July first. And yet somehow Dale Murray just he just magically knew that Chris Paul was interested in playing with James Harden. So that's where the loophole comes in, and I'm sure that if it came down to brass tacks, they would say, oh, yeah, James Harden like went over to Chris Paul's house, they had a conversation, and then James came back and said, hey, uh, Mr. Morey, 
you know, Chris Paul wants to play with us. So yeah. make the deal. That's, that's, that's the way you get around it because the players are allowed to talk to each other in the NBA. Yeah. I don't know how, t- how tampering really works anywhere else, but the, the players are the, are the ones that drive most of the conversation in this league. And I mean, if, if you really want to find a loophole and get around it, that's what you do. You say James Harden talked to Chris Paul and made the upper management confident that he would resign. So they pulled the trigger, and lo and behold, Chris Paul resigned. Yeah, except that, that again, again, going back to the tampering rule, is like James Harden is not allowed to directly tell management that he's going to resign. You know what I mean? He's allowed to go. But and that's the wink. Him. That's what the wink is that Magic was talking okay. about. Magic, Magic Johnson probably tells more information than he really should uh, to, to uh, live microphones. I would say. Well, this you, is, would you yeah, agree with that? I, I would, and this is another problem I have with this with this scenario. The NBA is investigating the Lakers now for evidence. Look, of course the Lakers tampered. Of course Magic Johnson tampered. I'm not going to sit here on this podcast and say like the Lakers are, are perfectly innocent and they didn't talk to Paul George and tell him, hey, come here next year. I'm sure they did. But like I said, it's a common thing that happens all the time. It's not a big deal. But – what, and, and like it's a thing that apparently all all GMs do. That most of these GMs are smart enough not to leave any actual incriminating evidence. You just have a conversation. You don't have e- email paper trail. You don't have any anything written down on a piece of paper that the league can find just in case uh, someone someone files tampering charges against you. Which by the way, the league never investigates anyone for tampering unless a team comes out and actually files a tampering charge. Which is why I screwed the Pacers. Now the Pacers have made an enemy of me today. But so now I have to sit here in like in like my faith in whether or not the Lakers are going to be punished via a draft pick or like the worst case scenario not being allowed to to sign Paul George. Although I find I I don't, I don't think the NBA would have the balls to do that move right now. I'd be, I don't I don't think they're doing that. But if but if they did, that's that's the worst case scenario, right? But I have to sit here in like trust in Magic Johnson's intelligence that he wasn't dumb enough to leave any incriminating evidence, and I'm not I'm not 100 percent confident of that. You know what I mean? So I'm sitting here concerned because, like, he may have he may have just sent Paul George something that that can you know be traced back to him in a way that's gonna like reflect poorly on the Lakers. I just sit here and wait for the NBA to clear him, and it, it, it bothers me. Um, I just went to check the board, and I think we have yeah. Hector in Providence. Pull him up. All right, sounds good to me. Calvin goes on a Lakers rant, and then we go to. The 401, I believe this is Hector. The number looks familiar. What's going on? Hey, guys. It's been a yes, while. Sir. I'm on vacation. All right. You and Scal together okay. on vacation. Yeah, I'm not really – you know, I'll be honest. As you know, I'm not really a big fan of his on, like, TV or whatever, but that's another <laughs> story for another time. That's, that's all right. But, I'm just uh, dropping it because I saw it before I came onto the show that Scal's on vacation and he's still calling into his network. So um, just making that connection. Where are you, Hector? Uh, I'm right out. I'm in Cranston somewhere. I'm waiting on the bus. That's why you probably hear, like, cars or whatever. But, um, you know, yeah, tonight was one of those nights I just, you know, we were all hearing about fireworks over the past few years. 
from Wick Grosbeck and others. And tonight just happened to be a prime, a prime example of you got to give something to get something. And while I'm going to miss Isaiah Thomas, and I, 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 I didn't expect him to get traded or whatever, but after hearing a lot about his, uh, his uh, injury problems, especially his hip, I figured that's a huge factor as to why he got traded today, tonight, I should say. Um, yeah, I think so as for too. getting Kyrie Irving, definitely. In fact, I'm not gonna lie. As, a, as well as for as for getting Kyrie Irving, I'm 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 all for it. Um, I know he's, you know, he's had to deal with a lot of stuff. I mean, yeah, he's he shouldn't be having a lot of these attitude problems considering you know he's an NBA champion, multi-time All Star. Uh, gold medal winner, you know, so on and so forth. Um, I'm interested to see what Brad Stevens does with the likes of him and the likes of, you know, well, maybe not Hayward because we've already seen that in college. But I'm interested to see how he works uh, alongside Kyrie and everything. But here's one thing to consider. A lot of people need to realize this, all right? And I know a lot of people, I'm sure, hate the fact that we got rid of the Brooklyn Nets pick the 2018 pick. I've been saying this for a while that, like, you need to, you know, you know, trade or whatever. Now, I personally would have liked to see Anthony Davis, but obviously that was not going to happen. I think we can all agree with that. Um, but considering both Kyrie and Hayward are not even in their prime yet, and apparently from what I heard from some of the tweets that I read, you know, from Ainge in his uh, conference call that he's, you know, Kyrie's pretty excited about coming. And I, and I said, I guess I saw, uh, what's, his, what's his name, Wojnowski tweeting that, you know, that he, you know, will strongly consider, you know, re-upping here. I think, I think now we're seeing, like, the benefits of what Ainge has been trying to do all along. You know, we've had the cap space to sign guys like uh, Horford and Hayward. And apparently now we, you know, we got that superstar that we've been coveting for some time. Maybe, you know, a lot of people won't agree that it's Kyrie, but a guy who's five years younger than IT, someone with much better handles, someone who's like an offensive talent, a special offensive talent, I cannot be any more excited for this trade and I cannot be any more excited for this season time. All right, Hector, I love it. Calvin, he's he's more excited than I am. Can you believe that? Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you guys are excited. I, I thought it was gonna just be sad, sad show. I thought we'd do a postmortem for uh, sad for show. Isaiah Thomas. Yeah, I, I was. Oh, we're good. Show. We're good, man. Kyrie Irving, younger, better, higher right. ceiling. Hector, man, I hope you enjoy yeah. the rest of your vacation. Uh, no problem, guys. Um, I'll be at, I'll be at some games this season, so I can see you and finally meet you know Gelso and Backy and everyone. Yes, sir. Gelso is going to be up here for a lot more than anybody anybody yeah, realizes yeah, he, right he's now. He's moving. He's moving. I know. I heard that. He's, he's coming on up. Bus. He's That's coming good. on up. So he'll be so here for. I'll, I'll see him. He'll be here for just about every game up here in Boston, and uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. Enjoy the rest of your vacation there, buddy. Talk to you soon. Hi, guys. in Providence. Got the wind in his face down there, Calvin. In Cranston, I should say. 
when, when Chelsea moves up, you guys going to be hanging out every day? Or you have a no, plan? not yes, every day. Good. I wouldn't say. I think I don't know where he's going to be moving to. I haven't I haven't asked him what the uh, neighborhood he's going to be living in is, but I would imagine it's going to be close to the people that he's closer to, which is actually pretty relatively far away from me. But I'll see him far more often than I have the past few years, which will be great. Um, definitely yeah, be. I have a, uh, a rule about uh, friends that if a friend moves farther than 25 minutes away from me, we're no longer friends. 25 minutes? That's pretty bold. That's yeah, not that far of a distance. Well, you get, I mean, you can only get to 20, 30 miles in 25 minutes. I live in Los Angeles, man. Traffic is a bitch. So I, I, I have to put a limit on, I have to put a limit on my friendships. I'm sorry. Fair enough. Um. Anyway, okay, so we've gotten a few per- different perspectives on this trade tonight, I, and I just looking at Twitter, Calvin. I think people are split on this thing. It just it seems to be a fifty-fifty situation, which is kind of the way that we we feel about yeah. it as well. I've been I've been pumping the tires of the trade, trying to back the Celtics and and be positive about this. But if I had to actually put numbers on it, I'd I'd probably go Celtics fifty-five percent, Cavs forty-five percent. I mean, it's that close. It's it's really a close trade, and it's even. It's pretty even for both sides. Uh, I think this one would go through the trade machine if you if you did it. I haven't done that. We'll leave that to Bill Simmons. But uh, either way, we've got that perspective. You got your Lakers rant out. You know what that means? That means mean? twenty minutes of NFL talk. Can you believe it? Nice. Yeah, the show is flown by today with all the. Uh... Various rants. You know, you can tell it's a good show when I have a loud, obnoxious rant. That was a good one, too. And we haven't even gotten into any Lonzo Ball discussion. We haven't even said his name until right now. So yeah. anytime we can drop his name will be a, a good one because we get royalties on the big baller brand, right? All right. So let's move on to kneeling. Right. Yes. I'm going to kneel right now, actually. I will. I will take a knee for this segment. If I had a webcam, you could see me doing that. I'm going to take a knee. So, for all of the hullabaloo about Colin Kaepernick last season, and there were a couple of other players who uh, decided to take a knee uh, with Kaepernick uh, last last season, a couple of guys, uh, two less of a, uh, you know, renown. It seems like now, when it comes to this offseason, uh, it's just all kinds of guys are doing it. Marshawn Lynch has done it. Um, in the, the Monday night game last night that I watched because I am a Giants fan, the Giants played the Browns, and before that game started, 12 Browns players took a knee during the National Anthem, uh, including including one white player, uh, which is people are making a big deal of because he's the first white player who's done it. Listen, I don't, I don't care if, uh, white, black, Asian, Hawaiian. Well, that's that could be anything down there in Hawaii. Who knows? I don't care what race you are. Take a knee, it's all the same thing. And but this is the way I'm looking at it, though. I don't really view it as a political statement anymore. I think these guys are backing Colin Kaepernick. I think they believe that he's been blackballed. And to me, that's actually bigger than a political statement, in my opinion, because uh, the NFL is taking a, a very strange stance if there is, indeed is a blackballing situation going on here. If the guy can actually play and you're just going to get rid of him because he he – is making political statements of his own as a, as a sweeping uh, league wide decision. That's pretty bold. 
That means that throughout 30 major cities in the country, you're going to take the most prominent professional sporting team for the most part and say that a player is not allowed to be on that team because of a political stance that he took. Well, I don't I don't even know if the, if the players around the league right now are taking that same political stance. I would say that maybe they're not, but if they're backing Colin Kaepernick, more power to them because if the league really is doing a, some sort of a black ball on this guy and saying that because of his views, we're not going to sign him to any contract, even though he can still play, then that is complete BS, Calvin. That sucks. That is bullshit. And you can kiss the league goodbye if they're going to do things like that over the next X number of years, because it's not going to, people aren't going to stand for that anymore. And if players decide that they're not going to be able, they're not going to, they don't want to be in a league like that, then the league is done for because the players are what makes the product at this point. So they're on a slippery slope right now. If this is the case and there actually is a internal memo going around saying, don't sign Colin Kaepernick. I'm not, I'm not, this is an interesting thought, but I'm, I'm not sure that I buy the notion that like that guys are sitting in, in solidarity with Kaepernick specifically, especially like, because when they're asked about it, they usually will go right to the injustice that are, that's going on. Right now. Maybe there's a percentage of them that are, you know, that, but like, I don't, I, I don't know that Kaepernick as an individual, like, and, and, you know, whether or not he gets a job is so important to, to other guys in the NFL who especially are like NFL guys are notoriously like, you know, meritocracy, prove it on the field guys. Like I, I feel like most of those guys probably don't think Kaepernick is that good anyway. I'm, I, I don't know. I just haven't heard this, this Kaepernick specific outcry from people, other, from players themselves. I'm, I've been hearing it more from the media. Um, I do really think that it it, it it has sort of become the the, the symbol of, of this particular political stance, which one I don't I don't have a problem with. Like one, but there's no like a law about the national anthem. You know, like the the ideology behind America is like the is like freedom of, of choice and individuality anyway. So if somebody doesn't want to like do what you want them to during the national anthem. It's not like they're cause, if, if they were running up and down and causing a disturbance, uh, even in, in the uh, in, in, to to further a political cause, then I can understand. Like if you if they were trying to you know disrupt other people from being supportive during the anthem, then I, I could understand any sort of outcry from it. But at this point, like I I really can't see why like anyone would have a problem with somebody choosing to. Uh, sit out the national anthem. But on the other hand, I, I also don't necessarily still think it's an effective political message going forward. You know, just, just in terms of, of in practical terms, the more people do it, the less individualized it becomes. And I don't think, I don't think it directly speaks to, to what their issue. I, I, I guess yeah. my issue is, is, is it's about, you know, police injustice or racial injustice in the United yeah. States. But people feeling that way, and those are all legitimate issues. But I just I don't see how sitting during the national anthem affects no, that. You're right. You know what? There there are so many other things going on in this country. Whether they're protests in Charlottesville that get completely violent and death occurs, or they're protests in Boston that there's a huge uh, disparity between the two different groups, or they're protests around the country that you don't even hear about. 
I'm sure there are, are things going on every day that we don't even hear about uh, that are, are probably uh, more of a message than guys kneeling for the national anthem. But to me, this still means something because they are a prominent figure. They are on television. They're in the spotlight. They're in the NFL. If enough of them do it, it's going to be it's going to be looked upon as this sort of revolt against the league. And we all know that there are privileged white men at the top of this league. Okay. And as far as money is concerned and ownership is concerned, and it's going to be very easy to make a link between that and what a lot of people look at as our, our government and our country. And without getting too political, because we we very rarely toe that line and, and step up to that line on this show. I just I think that it's going to be too easy for the NFL to be compared to any to the country as a whole, and it may turn out pretty poorly for the NFL if that's the way it goes. So I think that they are probably concerned about th- this movement within their league and the fact that it's growing and that the more players are deciding to do it and it's gaining more more. Um, more prominence, more speed, but in the long run, not in the long run, but overall, it it, it pales in, in comparison to the other stuff that's going on. So they may be covered by that. I still think that they are concerned about it. I, I guess because I, I don't necessarily see it as a as like a directly uh, politically affecting action. I just wonder how long. I see it as the as sort of the opposite that in, in terms of like the more people doing it. The, the less effective it becomes in terms because, because right now all it is is symbolism, right? But if a, let's, let's say every player in the league just started uh, taking a knee during the national anthem, well, that would be a story for for one or two weeks, and then after those two weeks, it would just be this is what the players do now. They take knees during the national anthem. You, you, you see what I'm saying? It wouldn't be it wouldn't be something that would be unusual. It would be like this is the thing that happens, and the, the message itself would get lost in the like. In, in the actual nuts and bolts of this is what we're doing now. You know what I mean? Not again to speak to you like, like try to speak out against injustice. I'm really talking about. Well, like, no, you know, I think that no, I think that speaks to the fact that, that that we were just both agreeing on that it's not as big as anything else that's going on. So yeah, it's only going to last a little bit, a little while. But if you if it gets to the point where every single player around the league, white, black, Asian, from Europe, from Africa from wherever you're from, Mexico, if they're all stand, sitting down or kneeling during the national anthem, that is that is a message right there, right? If there's some sort of solidarity among the players by the end of it, I don't really expect it to get to that point, but my point is that the more players that do it, the larger the message is, and even though you're saying that you think that it would sort of die off after a while, if it there, there to me would be a point where it would pick up steam again if more and more people started doing it. I sort of see it, yeah, I, I see it the same way that I would see, like, you know, like the Michael Sam story. Like, that that was a story because he was, you know, the first openly gay player to join the NFL. But I think if there was an influx of 57 openly gay players, I, I think that that's, the fact that there were 57 would be a story, and then that story would die out by the end of a, a, probably a single season unless somebody was subjected to some sort of treatment that, that caused it to be dredged back up. And I, I sort of feel the same way in terms of like the number. Yeah, there were 12 guys 
who did it all together. One of them was white, so both of them, those were fresh angles for the media to take. Uh, I don't see too many more fresh angles. If the more players continue to do this, I, I, I can't see how much longer this is going to last in terms of just being able to create a new story for it. In any case, I'm done with that. In, in any case, there is a new story on the NFL. Yeah. Roger Goodell will be here for another seven years, extending himself through 2024. And I say extending himself because a lot of people like to believe that he's just a puppet, but somebody has to extend him. So, yeah, but whatever. Who, we all who, know that the owners have approved that uh, Roger Goodell will be extended. He's he's going to be here for a long time as the NFL commissioner. And I don't know. I, I mean, to me, Calvin, all this does is diminishes any sort of pull or weight that anyone thought Robert Kraft and Jerry Jones had in this league. And or and or it diminishes their outrage. If anyone believes that Kraft and Jones both are outraged and have a lot of pull in the NFL you need to do some more research or something to change your opinion because you're wrong. You can't have both of them because if they were really that pissed about Roger Goodell and the things that he's done to their teams over the last couple of years, they would have used that poll that they have. They would have talked to the other owners and they would have made sure that something else happened with Roger Goodell. These guys are fine with him. They like him as a, as a commissioner. They think he's doing a good job and Guess what? They are making more money than ever before, and that is a big factor in this. So, in my opinion, that's what this extension means. It diminishes any sort of outrage that any owner has spoken about Goodell, and it also maybe question makes me question the pull that some of these big name owners actually have uh, around the league. I can't decide where I fall on that, but neither one is good for the owners, in my opinion. It's fascinating because you went right to where I was going to go to and, and the specific two people because, like, that's, that's long been the theory, right, that Robert Kraft, and even more than Robert Kraft, not even Robert Kraft, Jerry Jones is, is, has been, like, basically labeled as, like, the de facto shadow commissioner behind what actually goes on in the NFL for years now, right? And Kraft's a, as a secondary figure in terms of, of power, definitely, but, like, but certainly secondary to Jones in, in that respect. And, and the, the, the notion, although none of us know for sure, but, you know, the Skull and Bones uh, conspiracy, cost, uh, you know, crossbones guys, they all think that Jones and, and Kraft, to a lesser extent, are all really running the NFL and, uh, you know, Roger Goodell is just doing their bidding. And yet, yeah, we've seen with Kraft and now with Jerry Jones, both of them publicly come out and, and display outrage at things that are going on. And I kind of, I'm, I'm kind of like of the notion that like those guys probably do have uh, more power than, than Roger Goodell. And, and they, they probably are mad. But my guess, my guess on the reasons why they're mad is probably because they probably do get their way most of the time. And they, when they don't, when they don't get their way, as somebody who tends to get their way, you said you tend to be angrier than somebody who's like you just used to not getting your way. You know what I mean? Like I, I, I think mm-hmm. in this is with 
when Jerry Jones comes out and he says, well, I reviewed all the evidence on this Ezekiel Elliott situation, and there's nothing that leads me to believe he deserves even a, a minute of punishment. And then he comes out and he gets six six games. Jerry Jones is probably expecting him not to get punished, right? It's probably the surprise of that. But, that, but you're right. That doesn't mean that he wants Roger Goodell gone or even Kraft. Because while the, if those guys are really running things through Roger Goodell and, like, you know, they want essentially what the, the, the outrageous, you know, inconsistent uh, disciplines that Goodell has been throwing out there with players and just sort of all the complaints uh, with, the, with sort of the way that the players have been treated under the Roger Goodell regime, uh, all of that doesn't it, – it probably doesn't matter at all to the owners because they've made uh, 75% more money uh, than they did uh, last year than they did the year before, apparently. And they're, they're making money hand over fist at a rate they never had before. Uh, Goodell is a major factor in that. And for, for their sakes, like, Goodell is the one taking all the arrows of things that, like, the owners probably would approve anyway, except they don't have to, like, now it just looks like Big Bad Roger Goodell is doing all these things uh, that people don't like yep. when it comes to CTE, all these things when it comes to punishments. Everybody hates Roger Goodell. If you're an owner, you're like, great, man. If you're, if you're Jerry Jones, Roger Goodell's doing everything I want, and I'm just skiing around scot-free while he's taking so much heat. Why wouldn't right. you want that guy for another seven years? It's it's a great point. It's a great point. They, in in those ways, I guess he is their puppet. But that's where it, you have to sort of question the, the the weight that each owner pulls. I mean, maybe maybe Jones and Kraft really did make a stink about it, and they tried to pull their weight and say, no, this is this is terrible. We don't like this guy. Then the other twenty eight owners are the ones that said, no, nope, screw you guys. He's making money for us. We like him because he's trying to level the playing field, and this is the way we're going. So you could look at it that way as well if you want to believe that both Jones and Kraft were really angry and don't like Roger Goodell. Yeah, I don't don't think that they dislike him. That's where I come down. I think maybe they were angry at him at the time, but like like I said, he he probably is mostly a figurehead. and, and thus, as a figurehead, he's doing his job. I, I think the, uh, we can we can wrap it here. The next two topics, we'll we'll roll over if we don't have enough topics next week. I'm hoping we get to a share next week. How we Fair enough. That? We Pretty can, good. How, would you say that uh, over the course of our who knows 130 episodes, who knows how many episodes we've done at this point? I'm, I've stopped keeping track. But would you say that we've pushed? the Los Angeles Dodgers more than any other topic. Is that, is that fair to say? Oh, pushed it back to next week in theory. Um, and then never it, done it. Maybe, yes. Yep. Maybe. I, I, I feel like I probably don't want to actually talk about the Dodgers that much, but maybe uh-huh. baseball topics in general, like the, definitely baseball topics are the ones that get pressed. Right. Right. Yep. I would, I would say that's the case. That's what I was just checking. I, yeah. I figured uh, that was going to be pushed anyway. And, uh, I, the Kyrie Irving, Isaiah Thomas yeah. trade was going to take up the majority of the time here tonight. That's the way it went. My prediction was yeah. right. You should believe I what I say Dr. about Dr. everything else as well. Yeah, I, I do have Dr. Thoughts, but guess what? They'll still be good next week, so I'll be fine. <laughs> anyway, uh, that's because the baseball season is so damn long. Yeah. That's why we don't want to talk about it, because it's just like, the minutia of the baseball season is not as interesting. 
on and on. It's just babble, blah, blah, blah. Kind of like the last couple minutes of this show. Anyway, Calvin, good to talk to you. We'll be on a more regular basis going forward here as the NFL season starts to begin in the next couple of weeks. And then we haven't even talked about the fact that the NBA season is starting earlier than normally scheduled. So maybe we'll talk about uh, the NBA schedule next week or sometime in September. Nice Sounds talking to you, buddy. Yeah. Good show. All right. Congrats on your big trade. Oh, yeah. Big trade. Big trade. I'm just I, – any – I don't know if there are any clips here that I haven't played in a while. I'm just going to go with the clothes. See you later. Bye. Good night, everyone.